This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing... I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson following yesterday's 2-1 defeat against Burnley. Jamie, how are you getting on? Yeah, still a bit down, if I'm being totally honest, after after last night. Um, yeah, just, it's just the manner of the defeat more than the performance, I think. Just the, the high of, of equalising down to... The low of a minute and five seconds later, um, it's hard to get your head around. But no, um, big game on Saturday. I'm looking forward to welcoming Spurs to Luton. Yeah, as Jamie said, a hundred to zero, very very quickly. Kieran, how about you? How are you getting on? Story of our lives, isn't it? A hundred to zero, and then we'll go zero to a hundred. I imagine I'm not doing too bad. Um, I spoke to a Spurs fan this morning, and he looked at me. We were both watching the highlights at work. And he looked up and he looked at me and he went, oh, yeah, you're the Luton fan, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And he went, I'm scared it's going to be Spursy on Saturday. So that's it's boosted me a little bit, but not looking good, Brev. Not looking good. It would be quite Spursy, to be fair. Today, we're going to go through Too Good, Too Bad from Burnley Game. We're also going to go through our own analysis before previewing Spurs, which is, of course, 12.30 on Saturday, back at Kenilworth Road. Starting with too good, too bad then. Um, thank you, everybody that got in touch, in touch sorry, via Twitter, via Instagram, via Facebook. 
the first one here today, we've got Joseph Impey, who uh, for his two good. Mengi looked incredible. Adebayo got his first Premier League goal. And then two bad, VAR and Bell's injury. And then Charlie also on Twitter. Ogbene class again. And then Mengi and Burke unscathed and both played quite well. His two negative aspects were Kabore looked off it again on the right side. And the bell injury could be costly in the long term. Then we go on to LTFC Reese. Eli scored his first Premier League goal. Mengi looks a quality player. And then his negatives were our defence was poor yet again. And we couldn't finish chances. And then finally, Josh Hammond. Mengi and Burke getting through most of the game unscathed. Bell going off injured and no one there for second balls. Breaking it down, Jamie. Um, looking at what everyone's gone for, uh, the key themes are Adebayo's first goal and and Mengi playing his first game from the start, looking good, looking strong, won a lot of his duels, but also looked quite good on the ball. What impressed you most about Mengi last night? Yeah, I thought it was good. I think a lot of people were saying it was exceptional. Probably for me, it was a bit over the top. I thought he, I thought he was good. I thought it was a, a solid six and a half, seven out of ten. Um, but I think that, that that's all you want is someone that was brought in as a as a backup primarily. I mean, but Burke was always going to be that first choice on the right. Clearly wasn't fit enough to start, but then obviously was thrown in in, in Bell's injury. Um, but yeah, he's, he's exactly what we want from a, a certain half on that right where brave on the ball, um, always offers that option for the keeper and uh, and for locks when they're on the ball to, to play it off in the back. And yeah, for a... A first Premier League start at home. Um, I thought I thought he was good. And Kieran, within all that, too good, too bad. A lot was said of Eli getting on the score sheet. Obviously, didn't start, but came on. And and what we've grown used to in the last few weeks is Eli coming off the bench and putting in good performances. He'd done that again and and got his reward with a goal. It's about time because I think it's been a few weeks where he's needed to sort of silence a few doubters. I think there's a lot of people that when they approach Eli as part of the team, they look at it as, well, he just, he doesn't score goals. So therefore he mustn't be in the team. But that's like a general thing that a lot of people say about strikers. But then they don't tend to say that about Carlton Morris, for example, right? Until Saturday. And it's one of those things that it's like, strikers yes one of their primary jobs is to score goals but that is not the only thing they are there to do which is why strikers play in partnerships right if a striker's playing lone up top and you say got two either side of him that's their job to provide for the striker if a striker's playing in a pair which eli morris when eli comes on it's a pair one complements the other and vice versa sometimes that's the whole point Eli's role is not strictly stand up there, wait for the ball, turn, shoot. His role is so much more than that. He brings defenders out to allow other players to come in and create space and therefore create chances. Drifts wide. He's almost like a wide target man because then it gives Kaminsky something to aim at. And then it's all about getting that second ball out. So a lot of the criticisms and a lot of the doubts that people have had over Eli, I think were proved wrong last night. I think as an impact sub, Definitely, definitely the right decision yesterday, as proves he come on and scored. Whether that's sort of something that Rob now goes with is the your sort of the change of dynamic and the change of structure that we can have if we're chasing a game like we were yesterday is left to be seen. But I think 
I don't think his days of not starting should end there. I think he should at least get some sort of chance back in the first team at some point. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this Eli in the wide left row. I think he's tried to play Corley Woodrow there a couple of times, either wide left or wide right. And I just don't think physically he's up up to the task. I think Corley's a great technical player, but he, he should be put in, in a position where he, he can impact game, which for me is through the middle, either as a number 10 or as, as number nine. But Eli, I think physically, he can absolutely play in that wide position. I think the way he can drag a centre-half wide and... and basically nutmeg them and get round them or 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 beat beat a full back or wing back. I think he, he can do that all day long and being paired with Doughty for the last sort of half hour or so, I thought it was excellent. And I, I would definitely like to see that more often, especially chasing the game, playing on Ben A wing back with, with Brown White wing and then Nila on the left with Doughty. That 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 is sort of like the, the, the two wide pairings is is really good. And one of the other comments was Ogbene looked class again. And we've spoken about Ogbené in isolation, how good his performance was against Wolves and then against Everton. Jamie, just the fact that it seems to be a consistent level. We're, we're getting 7.5, 8 out of 10 performances out of Chio at the moment. That's exciting considering he was a player that at the start of the season looked like he'd be in rotation. We've you know switched to formation now and, and suddenly he becomes really the main man. Yeah, I mean, I think now behind the spine of Kaminsky, Lockyer, Nakamba, Morris, who are all sort of pretty much guaranteed starters, I think for me, he's he's next on that list in terms of almost playing himself into the undroppable territory, the, the way he's putting in performances, the way he's impacting games. Um, and I think the, the narrative in recent weeks has been purely pace-driven. I think, yeah, he's absolutely rapid. And that is that is absolutely in, in his sort of his top three characteristics or uh, as a player but he does so more than that just the way he presses and uh, and the way he can just r- run at a full back or wing back and be brave on the ball so yeah he is rapid but he, he is also so much more than that and I mean if, if I was Irish and an Irish fan I'd, I'd I'd be really excited to see him in that in that national team setup and, and see what he can do on that stage and I actually might start watching a few <laughs> watching a few of the Ireland games just to see how he does against the best because yeah I mean free transfer from Rotherham clearly obviously we've had p- people in that bracket like Jordan Clark for example or, or on a free transfer Amari Bell on a free transfer and yeah again we've done it with, with Ogbené from Rotherham um, absolutely fantastic bit of business and yeah like n- no matter what happens with us this season he's he, he's going to be a, a, a shining light and will impact either in the Prem next year or, or the Championship. Going on to our own analysis of the game, uh, we, we'll go from the very start. I think we can all agree Burnley started the better side. I think, in my opinion, they tactically dominated the first half. The amount of um, spaces that, that Sander Berger in particular picked up, received the ball um, and, and basically had the space in front of him to, to drive into and create. It was evident that that was addressed at half-time, but, but I think it was... No, as I mentioned, fair to say that, that Burnley deserved to go into the break 1-0. The goal itself, um, difficult to concede, difficult to um, make sense of really how Berger did get the amount of space he did. But Foster took the goal well. Uh, Jamie, w- what did you make of the goal? Is it another one that we can put under the bracket of avoidable? Um, is there only one at fault? 
definitely avoidable. Um, I, I thought they played through us too too easily in that first half. I think before the game, we were looking at the wide areas being important, but I think Burnley almost flipped the game on its head and tried to tried to dominate that midfield where they knew we, we'd we'd have that double pivot and. There was a warning before with Burgo where he literally had had the freedom of, of Barry Park in terms of being able just to run up the pitch and thankfully we got we got away with it. But then a couple of minutes later it happened again. Free to Lyle Foster and, and, and a great finish to be fair to him. But I think, so I guess A, mistakes-wise midfield needs, needs to fill that space. And secondly, I think locks again. It seemed, for me, it's a bit like the Neto goal where the ball just almost could get stuck under, under his feet and... It just goes beyond him, and Lockie could have got like a nick on it to get it away, but just couldn't manage it. Foster get, gets it in behind, and and a good finish. So, yeah, no, no, no one sort of one individual to blame. I think again, just team wise, tactically, just yeah, just not not quite up to up to speed. I think a lot of the player narrative after the game was in terms of communication on the pitch, and if that is, then they they obviously they need to talk more in terms of where people are because. In the, the, the way we are in terms of man to man and and pressing all over the park, you just need to communicate and just make sure you, we, we don't leave leave a gap. Because if we do against Spurs on Saturday, then we are we are in big trouble. And Kieran, there was a clear momentum shift going into the second half. We were quicker to to loose balls. We really used Kenilworth Road to our advantage. Deservedly drew level uh, on 84 minutes. Adebayo, as we mentioned, came off the bench. Done well to direct his shot goalwards. Uh, combination again of, of subs. I think it was uh, Burke that nod, nodded it down from a Chong cross. And obviously it was Adebayo who, who put it into the goal. Seeing subs make that impact again is a positive. And, and the second um, part I want you to answer is: Can you see? Can you see Adebayo starting in that left wing role? Do you think of Bene on the right? Do you think that there's potential that we could start like that, or do you prefer seeing it from the bench, seeing him come on from the bench and make the impact that he has been has been making? It's tough, isn't it? Because there's a few times where I've spoken about players and said, "Do they look as good because they're a fresher leg?" against someone who's been playing 70, 75 minutes. Would that then have the same impact from minute one? Maybe not. There's clearly something that Edward sees in having Obene and Brown, either side of Morris. But I think if you put Eli in from the start, he's that sort of player that drifts left anyway. He's always been that sort of striker that drifts to the left and comes back in. So what's to stop us from having that from minute one, sort of having that inside forward. Because Obene tries to do that. He can do that from the right as well, but also he can be a crossing threat on that same side, on the right. And then if you've sort of got an Obene cross or a Gabore cross with Morris and then Eli coming in from the left, because that's just what he does, goes out, comes back in. I think that's actually more of a dangerous prospect. And one of the things that we've struggled with as well, we've spoken about it briefly, is this lack of second ball movement, the ball goes up, we don't win it. And everyone's just staring, staring up. And then the ball bounces again. And then we've lost it and it's gone. But you need that someone who, if Eli doesn't win the first ball, every time, bang, he's back up. He wants the second one. Or at least if he's winning the first, it's nodding on in a positive direction. That's what I want to see. So personally, I want to see it at least experimented at some point. Have that front three of Bene, Morris, Eli from right to left 
if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at the end of the day, we're in that situation where we need to see what's effective. And in the 10, 15 minute spell that Eli had on the pitch, that was effective. We'll go on to the eventual winner coming just a minute after Adebayo's leveller, the sucker punch, the real joy killer. Um, as we mentioned, it was from 100 to zero very, very quickly. Um, and we've mentioned there, Luton subs making an impact. Well, Burnley replied with their very own version of that with, with Jacob Brent Larson cutting in from the right wing. Uh, brilliant, brilliant effort. Um, can't fault Kaminsky. I don't really attach any blame to Burke, who was the closest defender at the time. It was just one of those displays that we've seen recently where a team are very, very ruthless. Um, we can have all, all the opportunities in the world. I think, again, it was 18 shots, 15 in the box, but, but it was a bit of magic that eventually won it. It was, Jamie, coming to you, it was, it was a very good strike and all that. Uh, but how do we address, how do we get past this issue of teams being ruthless against us and us having all these opportunities and not really seeing the joy? That 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 is the million dollar question, isn't it, Bill? I think ultimately, if if Edwards had the answer to that, he'd he'd resolve it straight away and 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 win games in the Premier League. Um, I think it's for me a little bit of a an acceptance of where we're at. I mean, if you even look at what Bernie spent, they've got players that can do that, as do a lot of the teams in this league. Do we have a player that can what one at a centre half? sort of nipping on his left and, and then curl it past the keeper. Probably not. I mean, Tahif Chong probably could be in that bracket if he gets some games, but we've not got really anyone of that technical quality, I think, at, at this point. And that's just, just where we're at. I think that's that's nothing against any of the players or recruitment. It's just it's just based on budgets and, and I guess the gap between us and these sort of teams you had like Nathan Teller for Burnley that like there's no way we, we could have got someone like a Teller last season for example and likewise that they've got Bryn Larson on loan from from Hoffenheim and it's just it's just the the, the it, it, it's the beast that is the, the Premier League um so yeah it, it was a sucker punch I think I agree and with, with, with your analysis of, of the goal don't attach too much blame to Kaminsky if, if you do you're probably nitpicking a little bit um, and then Burke stays with him most of the way, but fundamentally a tricky wing is always faster than, than a six foot four centre half, and he's always going to get that burst of pace in front and and, and get a shot away. Um, so yeah, it's just yeah, as you can tell, I'm a bit down about it because because it's just one of those frustrating things that we just need to almost accept to, to a point. Because if Edwards had the answer, he I'm sure he'd, he he would answer it by change by, by changing things. Um, yeah, just need to make the most of our chances because we definitely could have been 1-1 or even 2-1 ahead um, earlier. Um, but we're coming away talking about defeat, so it's tough. Very tough. And sticking with you, Jamie, Colton Morris yesterday, um, you sort of questioned him against Fulham. Um, he didn't have the best of games. He, You know, I think effort-wise as well, um, he was, you know, not as of a willing runner as he typically was. But I think yesterday is, is, I think we have to point out, he was very good. He was occupying both for centre-backs. He was winning his duels. He was pressing high. Um, 
clever with his footwork and, and just all-round intelligent in, in, in his play. It was a very good 90 minutes for him and quite unfortunate that he didn't didn't find the back of the net again. Yeah, and as uh, I mentioned, captain of, on FPL, gutted he didn't, he didn't get a goal because that would have been very helpful in, in the rank. But yeah, I thought all round he was he was a, a good performance. Still, I think there's still parts to his play that I would like him to improve. I think sometimes he probably moans a bit too too much at his sort of centre halves or fullbacks or, or or midfielders to, to to get up and help him. But I guess being that that sole striker is a bit tough at times and. Yeah, on the second ball, I think as as Kieran said earlier, he probably can be a bit more alert to second balls at times. Um, but yeah, again, that's that's me nitpicking. I think uh, generally he he was very good and a, and a lot better than he was at Fulham. And that's the sort of that's the sort of performance that we want him to put in every game. And hopefully the goals the goals come. And okay, yeah, again that that's a bit harsh because he's he's scored three of our what five goals this season. So um, yeah, that 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 is also tough to put on him, but. Yeah, I think sometimes he probably could pull the trigger a, a, a bit earlier and, and 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 have some more shots on goal. Is probably my only, I guess, comment because I think he I think he's got the the ability to 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 pull a long shot off and and get get behind the keeper. I think he did, did it two or three times last season. So I think he almost just needs to to back himself a bit more. That is it for the Burnley review. We're going to move on in, in part two for the Tottenham preview. Be back in a few. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for the second part of today's episode. We are going to preview the game against Spurs on Saturday, 12.30 of course. And after a little bit of a disappointing result, it is a very good opportunity for our bounce back ability to be tested. We've done it in previous years where hope has seemed to be lost and we, we pull out a performance and result that nobody really sees coming. Could that be Saturday, Jamie? Why not? Wolves beat City, but again against all odds, and I think it's it's the same sort of matchup. Um, I mean, let's let's not make any bones about it. Spurs have been excellent so far this season. Okay, they've had a few fortunate results in terms of actually getting the result, but I think by and large their performances have been have been fantastic, and they they deserve to be in the top four of of the league. Um, signed really well. Um, Madison, obviously, as someone that fo- follows England home and away, I've, I've been calling for him to be in in the squad for some time, and yeah, he, he deserves the move, and he's he's showing what he's capable of. But we all know what Spurs have done previously. We all know what Luton is like, and 
it's almost a perfect game. I think after the down of 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 the Burnley defeat, if you need a game to pick you up, it's a game against one of the the so called big boys, um, and that's what that's what we've got. Um, the players should be right right up for it. If they're not, then then why the hell are they in the Premier League? Um, so it's it's almost a perfect game, and whilst they are a fantastic side, they've they've got some some weaknesses to to, to try and target. Kieran, it's 17 points from seven games. They sit in second place, one point shy of Man City. It's not very Spurs-like when you consider the um, last few seasons, but we we hear this uh, phrase all the time, a bit Spursy, um, and this is the potential, a real good fixture for this uh, Spursy tag to, to potentially be used again. It is, and... They have looked really scary. I'm, I'll be the first to say it, like very scary. I've watched a couple of their games when they've been on. All the highlights, they, they look like a bloody wonderful team. And fair play because a lot of people doubted Ange Postacoglu and I work with and know quite a few of Celtic fans and they absolutely love this football. And I knew full well that appointment would be the perfect appointment to sort of get rid of that sort of crappy football mentality that a lot of Tottenham fans have been used to. Just, oh, we've got Conte and we know his football's crap, but fine. No, you've got someone who's just really ambitious in their management style. That's just like, no, quite literally, no, mate. Like, we'll just do it my way and we're going to completely revolutionise it. And it shows because they're basically top of the league. The scary thing for me is the only game they've looked very Spursy in was Sheffield United. And Sheffield United were 1-0 up towards the end. And it was only with the help of 10 minutes added time that they actually snuck away with three points. So there's that little seed of doubt where you think, well, if they're going to struggle against Sheffield United, but they're going to make teams like Liverpool look like crap. Do we fit in that Sheffield United category of they're going to struggle? Um, I spoke to a Tottenham fan this morning, sort of alluded to in the sort of intro, and he was suggesting... He thinks we're actually going to beat them. We're either going to beat them or just stick 11 men behind the ball. And I was like, trouble is, mate, Luton aren't the team to put 11 men behind the ball. Like, we just don't do that at all. Um, Do I fancy our chances? I'm going to be, I'm actually going to be the pessimistic one. I'm going to say no. Um, Only because of the circumstances in that if they win, there's a high chance they're top of the league going into the international break. And that puts them in a phenomenal position. Does no wonders for us. Let's be, let's be real. But yeah, the prospect for them of going top. Yeah. As long as um that old Watford pony Richarlison doesn't score, fine. But the rest of them, it's a scary prospect, I'll be honest. There was a few of us, weren't there, that had him as our villain of the season. So yeah, hopefully he doesn't come and thrive in the atmosphere at Kenilworth Road. Uh, Jamie, just going back to what Kieran was saying about what he's seen from Tottenham so far, and that is some very good football, some very good attacking play, but they do commit a lot of players forward and um, sort of when they're playing around in their own third, I know it was against Arsenal, Arsenal are a wonderful team themselves, but they do take risks in possession and you know come to Kenilworth Road, there could be potential for us to to really force them into problems and you know, have a, a event at Kenilworth Road where 
where we are really, really on top of them and, and force them into mistakes ourselves. Yeah, but I think that the, the, that's just the way we play. That's that's not that's not just about Spurs. I think we'll, we'll do that to most teams this season in terms of for, forcing mistakes and and winning the ball quite high up. Um, I think if you look at playing out from the back, you've got Poro, Romero, Van Ven, and and Udogi. Um, um, uh, Poro, I think I was again speaking to a Spurs fan at work that they see him as probably the the main liability in that back four. Romero is always um, at risk of of a mistake or two, or who knows if Carter Morris can get in his head, maybe getting booked early. Um, so they can, they can be got. I mean, they've got a midfield two of Saar and Basuma who were basically back from the cold last year, where where Saar and Basuma barely got anything or any chances under under Conte and and Jose before that. Um, Basuma was fantastic for Brighton, but he's not really had a chance since coming to Spurs. So. That midfield two is still fairly new as a pairing, so can we get at them? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of a front four, it, it's a very good front four. Obviously, Kieran's mentioned that that Watford pony, but then you got Madison, Son, whether he plays through the middle or or out out wide on the left, Kudaszewski. They've got Solomon um, as well. He, he can come in, so. I think there's strengths all, all over the pitch, but players that ha- have made mistakes in the past as well. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting game just to see how, how it all plays out. And you mentioned some of the attacking players there. Uh, Kieran, is it James Madison, the one to watch? Is he the player that will, if Luton play a, a, you know, somewhat of a low block, is he the one that will unlock us? You know, They've got Brennan Johnson as well, who's getting some game time now. Um, Son, we all know, world-class. They do have some some exciting talents, but who uh, will Rob Edwards be be telling the Luton defence to keep a close eye on? I think for me, I'm actually going to go away from Madison, and I'm going to as dangerous as he is. That kind of goes without saying. I think Son and Richarlison is the pairing that I'm sort of scared about. Where Richarlison started up front for the season, and Son was out left right, and he was not scoring goals. The rest of the team was still scoring, but Richardson was missing every chance under the sun. Now, when you're the lone man up top in any team and you're not scoring goals, automatically you just have this big barrel of pressure thrown at, thrown at you. He's now switched Son and Richardson around, where Son's up top and he's scoring goals. But what you've noticed with that is Richardson's a lot more influential in play now as well, playing on that left-hand side. He's got a few more assists. I think he has actually bagged the goal as well. So, fine, that drought's been ended. But I think given that there's a lot less pressure on him, everyone knows Son can deliver up top. He bad the hat-trick the first game, they slapped him up top. But that that sort of pairing where you've got a Richarlison with no pressure, no doubt he's a bloody good player. And Son, who is world-class in that position, Harry Kane or not, they still look dangerous up there. So Madison kind of goes about saying and the camber's going to have to do an absolute bloody job on him. But Richarlison and Son, it's one of those where you look at the pair of them, you've got to get into them. That's the sort of, that's where the fright is for me personally. Jamie, let's talk Luton. Uh, we've seen this 5-2-3 become the, the you know, new and improved formation. It's the one that, that we've deployed for both home and away games. And we've seen a, a fair amount of success. We've seen improvement while, whilst being deployed under that. Do you still think for a game like this, this, this is the way to go? Um, 
you know, someone like Kabore has struggled recently. Could that, you know, force Bene as right wing back and then um, congest the midfield with another player, uh, given given the, the difficulty Marv and, and Pelly had? Do you think 5-2-3 is still the way to go? Um, or, or can you see there being somewhat of a switch up? No, I think you can't almost overreact or knee-jerk based on one performance in terms of the midfield. I thought the 5-2-3 at Everton was fantastic and it would be more of a that kind of game than a Burnley game was. I think it's going to be more of an away type performance than, than a home one. Um, so for me, I'd, I'd stick with the 5-2-3. I, I said before that I think Poro and Kudoseski can can be got at. I think Poro is great going forward, but not the best defensively. And a set, and same for Kulu, he's he's good going forward, but is he the best at tracking back a, a fullback? No, probably not. So, if you've got Doughty and Obene on our right and or on our left, sorry, and and their right, um, I think that that can that can be be be, be a, a great chance for us to get get in behind. Um, and then in terms of that midfield pair, I mean, Kieran mentioned the Campbell Madison. I think it would be more more Lockyer on on Madison, and then you have Burke or Bell or Anderson. Tracking Son, I think it's that Sarbasuma v Pelly Nikamba matchup, and yeah, I mean Sarbasuma are a great pair, but again, I think if we play like play like we did against Everton, I think we we can also try and win that midfield battle as well. Um, so I don't see the need just to switch up. Um, ultimately, Spurs play the same system basically as Burnley did and Everton did, and it was two different performances from us, so. I think it's more in terms of how the individual perform that rather than the, the the technical setup like itself. Let's go up to some lineup predictions, and I'll come to you first, Kieran. Um, as always, there's lots of player dilemmas, whether that be performance based or because of injuries. So, who would your starting eleven be for the visit of Spurs this Saturday? Oh. So I'm going to go a little bit different based on recent performances. So Kaminsky's in net, standard. Doughty right wing back, back three of Mengi, Lockyer and Anderson with Giles left wing back. Midfield two, Nakamba and Pelly, standard. And then I hope it's going to be Eli, Morris, Ogbene as a front three. Or if you're not going to go with the Eli pick, Morris down the middle, Obene on the left, and I want to see Chong on the right. Jamie, what about you? Yeah, the centre half dilemma is um, an interesting one, and that's purely a fitness play, right? Who who, who gets through? Bell seems like he's probably going to be out, um, but put in a good performance. Mengi was good. Anderson's also been good. So I think I think it's is any, anyone's guess who that back three is going to be. Yeah, Doughty wing back right, Giles left. I think Kabore's been a bit harshly, um, I guess, treated this uh, just based on one, one performance. I thought he was excellent at Fulham, excellent against Everton. So again, just just for one bad performance, it's tough just to drop him. Probably, although Giles himself obviously need need minutes. The Camberpelli almost picked themselves at this stage, and then yeah, the front three. I mean, I I'm a big fan of Eli left wing. Um, I think Brown has been good, but I think. Eli can also offer the same, if if not a bit more. So, yeah, I'll, I'd go Eli Morris and, and cheer up top. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There are loads of different ways to go about this. Um, 
yeah, again, Kabore at right wing back. I've I don't agree with you. I don't think it's just been one performance. I think there have been defensive frailties um, in a fair few of the last games. Um, I do think he needs a rest, but do I bring back Giles, who has also struggled defensively? That's what I'm trying to weigh up. Um, but yeah, I think I will. I think Kabore could do with a could do with a rest. So I'll go Doughty, Burke, Mengi, Anderson, um, with probably Anderson in the middle and and Burke maybe on the left again. Uh, assuming Lockyer, but Lockyer, um, is there an issue with Lockyer? I mean, he's Again. he's always injured at the minute, isn't he? He, he? His arm was hurt at the start. He's got a massive shine yeah. on his left eye. He'll probably come through, to be honest. But yeah, I mean... I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I, it's I, difficult. Yeah. It's another one that you put an asterisk uh, next to. Again, I think Lockyer, if he's if he's fit enough, he, he will play. But yeah, it's, it's a big question mark as to whether he will be. Um, so yeah, that, that will probably sort itself out. Um, as much as I don't really want to do this, um, I know you said it worked well at Everton. I didn't see that, um, so, so that's probably on me. But I'll go with Marvin Pelly. Um, be interesting to see if Barkley's fit, if he would be trusted in that sort of uh, double pivot. Not too sure on that either, but I'll go with with Marvin Pelly. And then yeah, as a front three, I'd probably stick with the front three at the moment because I want to see. Um, but uh, sorry. I, I want to see Chung on the left. I want to see Morris down the middle. And then I want to see Ogbené on the right because I think Ogbené and Doughty, um, as a duo, I don't care if it's on the right or the left, is enough to frighten any team. And I, I, You mentioned defensive frailties on Tottenham's right. I think that can also be be seen on the left. I think Yudogi is a very attacking um, fullback. Then, you know, they had Brennan Johnson last time out on, on, on the left. Again, he... he not known for his his defensive abilities and his tracking back, so yeah, I think wherever um, Ogbené and Doughty will be, I think they'll cause problems on Saturday, and I think that will be that will be the key battle from our perspective. So yeah, I will have them on the right. Now for everyone's favourite bit, some score predictions, and Kieran, I'm coming to you first. Oh no. Sorry, guys, because I'm going to absolutely annoy everyone that's watching this and they're all going to go, Kieran, you're usually the one that gives the really positive predictions. Yeah, I know. Where's the crystal ball? Oh, no. I can see a Hummins on double and a Richarlison goal somewhere. Eli will score a consolation. 3-1 Tottenham. Cut that, Mark. Cut that. Cut that negativity. Sorry, boys. Uh, Jamie Castle, can you bring it back up? Um... I have this tag of being op- optimistic, but I feel like I, I can't predict 38 wins a season, can I? Um, so now I'm going to go with Spurs 2-0. Um, I don't know if this is me just trying to pick pick up the room or if it is blind faith or if it's just me saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff, but I'm going to go 2-1 Luton. Um, we both, well, I think all three of us, we've mentioned this could be the ideal game. I wasn't confident about Burnley. I was confident about Everton. And I hope I could be right about this one. Um, Spurs have been good, but I think there is a bad performance coming. They rode their luck against Liverpool at the weekend. And and hopefully we can inflict their first defeat of the season. I'm expecting a, a real real bounce back from us on, on Saturday. And, you know, 12.30 kickoff. 
they're always exciting. It was 12.30 last season when we when we beat Watford. Let's hope it's a, another uh, occasion like that. I'm going to go for a Morris double. I think he was... I, I, I think he was brilliant against Burnley. Um, I think he was the only sort of player that I would give eight, 8.54. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll cause, he'll cause problems. He'll get in Romero's head. And who knows, there might even be a, a cheeky little red card for Romero because that seems to happen a fair bit. Well, that is all for today. A big thank you to the pair of you for joining me. A big thank you to everybody else watching and listening at home. We will be back on Monday to review Spurs and it will be international break then as well. So there'll be no preview. But until the next episode, it is goodbye from us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.